Ladies and gentlemen, we got a lot to talk about today. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richie. Welcome to the conversation. Today on the show, we have Michael Starr Hopkins, Senior Vice President of Firehouse Strategies and Democratic Strategist. Hopkins has worked in a number of capacities on presidential and statewide political campaigns across the country. Hopkins is a member of the New York Bar and currently resides in Washington, DC. Michael, thank you, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I wish we were talking under better circumstances, but I gotta get right into this. Obviously, you are well aware of the killing, the murder of Dante Wright. Immediately after this happened, the police chief of this of this town decided to do a press conference and became a de facto defense attorney, spinning a narrative of an accidental shooting. I just wanna know your thoughts on this and we'll unpack it together. So here's my issue with it. At the end of the day, whether it's Dylan Roof, whether it's the shooter at the Aurora movie theater, at every instance, white criminals end up going in front of a jury, having their due process and having their day in court. But when African Americans are pulled over, whether it be a lawful stop or an unlawful stop, we somehow end up having the trial and the execution in the streets of America. And that that's a problem because there is no accountability. You can't have the people who are being policed afraid of the police. And you can't have the people who are supposed to be protecting those communities afraid of the communities. So we've got to figure out something because whether it be you know Philando Castile, whether it be George Floyd, there's no excuse. People are being deprived of their humanity, their life and families are being ruined. Let's talk about this Brooklyn Center Police Department and this former officer now, Officer Potter. She has now resigned. We learned some things in the process of dissecting this story and investigating this story. She's a 26 year veteran of that police department. She's also the president of the local police union. She was involved in a killing in 2019 where a lot of reports came out that she was engaged in a cover up at that point. But here's the thing, man, and Michael, you gotta find this ironic. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that cops need to treat unarmed black men like they treat white people who are serial killers or 100%. commit mass murder. Right, because they do get a day in court. Yeah, I mean, not only do they get a day in court, but if you look at Dylan Roof, he got Wendy's, like he got food. Well, let me correct you on that, sir. I think it was Burger King. (laughs) There we go. So, you know, at the end of the day, Dylan Roof got treated like, you know, an American got due process after slaughtering African Americans in a place of worship. We're not seeing African Americans treated the same way. They're not getting the benefit of the doubt. And so, you know, all this talk about Blue Lives Matter, all the talk about, you know, we've got to support the police. You know, we saw a video the other day of an African American man in fatigues, someone who served our country. That individual who, you know, people on the right, have said, we've got to support our military, got to support the troops. Kaepernick's this awful person because he knelt. Well, now where's his benefit of the doubt? Where is you know this NRA defense of people like Flando Castile? Where is this defense of our troops now? It always seems like there's an excuse when the person who pulls the trigger is white. Well, now how do you justify that? And I think what we're seeing across the country is small steps being taken, but we're not seeing the broad changes that not only do we need, but I think Americans deserve. Let me ask you about this because I'm looking at this, I'm not an attorney, you are. 
immediately the narrative of accidental shooting, accidental killing came out about Officer Potter. This cop has now resigned, the police chief has resigned, the city manager has been fired. Um, but do you think that there's a criminal element here, maybe negligent homicide? Is there any way that there's a criminal charge associated with what this cop did by taking this young man's life? I think there's certainly reason to believe that there should be an indictment and that it should go in front of a jury. This person, you know, when you're a police officer, there are expectations. You're given training, you're given, you know, the right to actually inflict harm on someone. There are certain mm -hmm. expectations. And so when you, 26 years into the job, say that you couldn't tell the difference between a taser and a gun, that's a problem. That shows that what we're doing is wrong. It's not a training issue. It's not a bad apple issue. The the roots themselves are rotting. And so we've got to figure out a way to address not just the inequalities within our judicial system, but the economic inequalities that we're seeing that are leading to these stops, leading to this poverty, leading to this centralized situation where you have people who aren't living in communities that they're policing mm -hmm. coming in and strongholding these communities. Call me a cynic, man, and I hate to be the guy to say this, but when I heard the story of accidental discharge that the cop thought she was grabbing her taser but was grabbing her gun, I didn't believe it. And I don't even know if I believe it today, right? When you look at the variables here, you have a trained officer who's taser certified, that means that they are trained with the taser to use the taser and they're recertified every single year to use a taser. The taser is plastic, her handgun is made of steel, the taser is yellow, her gun is black. The yep. taser has a different trigger mechanism than her handgun. The taser is located on the other side of her body than where her handgun is located. You gotta be freaking kidding me. And she had her hand on this gun for a for an extended period of time. This was not a split second. She held it, held it, held it, and then fired. Okay, I, I, am I wrong for being cynical about this whole? If you yell a taser and kill someone as a cop, you get away with murder. I'm cynical about that policy. I think it's a bad, bad message, and I think she needs to be indicted. What do you say to that? Look, I understand you being cynical. I think we're all cynical at this point. I'm a gun owner. I've shot a handgun. I've shot tasers. You know the difference. A handgun is heavier. Like you said, the taser itself, it's a different color. It's lighter. If you're on the force, if you have that special training, you should know the difference. You should be able to tell the difference. And if you can't, if the situation is at a point where you don't know where your faculties are, that's a problem. I think at the root of it, we've got to ask ourselves, why are police walking into scenarios where African American men are viewed as a threat, a dire threat? Because we're not seeing you know, police officers interact with white Americans the same way. They don't have right. the same fear. You know, I went to college in Florida. The amount of interactions with law enforcement that I saw between white college students who were drunk, who were belligerent, who were aggressive with cops. And the reaction was very different. But those individuals, cops were very much de-escalating the situation. But when African Americans are involved with altercations with law enforcement, there always seems to be an escalation. You know, Walter Scott running away from law enforcement. They right. shot Flando Castile saying he had a gun and was a rightful gun owner was still shot. At, at a certain point, how do you ask for the benefit of the doubt? 
Yeah, well said. Let me shift gears. We only have a few minutes, but we got to talk about what happened in Knoxville. Very sad. One fatality, obviously, a student who's dead, cop is injured, another school shooting. And here's what's ironic. And this is my prediction because Republicans do it every single time. They will legislate on lies. All of these voter restriction bills, all of these, you know, Republicans saying they got to change the law, all based on a lie, based on lies. The fact that we have people still killing kids or kids taking guns to school, that's truth. That's really happening. Will there be legislation to address the violence in our school systems? I want you to answer that. Look, I wish there was. I. I gotta say it breaks my heart. I get very yeah. emotional when we talk about the violence that is happening in our schools. I realized after the shooting in Connecticut, when children were slaughtered and there was no real legislation put in place, that nothing was gonna change. And I am a gun owner. I think that every American should have the right to own a gun, but like the Constitution says, with limitations. And when people aren't safe in schools, when they're not safe in movie theaters, when they're not safe in grocery stores, we have to ask ourselves what kind of country we're living in. Because when these things happen overseas, we say that it's a destabilized government, it's a third world country. Well, in America, in this this country, a country that we say is the greatest country in the world, people are getting killed at bus stops, at grocery stores, at movie theaters, at churches, at schools, all the places where they're supposed to be safe. We can't be a great country until we deal with our shortcomings. And right now we have decided as a country that we're not gonna deal with those because it's an uncomfortable and difficult conversation. We have to be better. Very well said, Michael. I appreciate your time today, man. Thank you for joining us on the conversation. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Stay safe. Now that the world is talking about a cop who committed murder, in my opinion, killed an unarmed black man. Everybody's talking about the accidental discharge of this gun, saying that she accidentally did it. She thought it was a taser. To talk about this, we have a guest. I'm Dr. Rashad Ritchie, welcome to the conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, I have Yolanda Genova. She's a news reporter in New York. Her coverage at Business Insider centers on politics, women's issues, and equality. She has a long, long resume. Make sure you check her out and check out her social media. But she has some insight here that is going to be quite, quite revealing. Uh, thank you for being on the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about this accident. Um, I did a little research and I found that it does happen on occasion according to reports. Um, that individuals grab their gun when they think they have grabbed their taser. Um, but the taser is quite different than a gun, especially when you're talking about a person who is trained and recertified every single year to utilize a taser. And they should distinctly know the difference between a taser and a gun. Um, what say you to the explosive situation uh, that just went down uh, where Dante Wright uh, has now been killed? 
Well, research does show accidental or unintentional weapon discharges have happened a lot in the past. Over a seven-year period spanning from 2012 to 2019, there have been at least 1,400 cases of unintentional weapon discharges by police across hundreds of law enforcement agencies. So it's quite common. And in those 1,400 plus cases, at least 21 people have died from it and become casualties. Now, are we just taking this at face value? Because when you say that, I'm thinking, okay, I think some of these cops are lying. I'm not saying all of them are lying, but that seems quite staggering to have that many individuals who are trained to utilize weaponry accidentally shoot someone and accidentally kill people in the process. So here's my question on the other side. If you can mistake a gun for a taser, how many of these cops mistook their taser for the gun, right? How many cops said I was reaching for my gun, but I actually grabbed my taser. And so the person is still alive today because I tased them rather than shot them. Do we have any data on that? There hasn't been any data on that as far as I know at least, but the striking part about these numbers is that they likely don't reflect the reality or the gravity of the situation. And that's because law enforcement agencies have very different reporting requirements across the board. And that makes it very difficult to quantify exactly how many times officers have unintentionally discharged their weapons and how many times this has happened in the past. But we do know that this has happened in the past a lot because of these numbers. Why is it that we we don't have a federal mandate to report something as serious as shooting someone and a cop saying oops. Why is there no mandate to report this? Well, it really depends. It's a state by state legislation thing. Uh So a lot of times there is no negligent homicide law, for instance. In Iowa in 2009, there was no such thing. And I mean, that that carries over in a lot of cases. And one of the most prominent cases is what happened with Eric Harris in Oklahoma. Eric Harris was a black man. and There was this officer who shot him after screaming taser and he shot him with a gun instead of a taser. So it's very, very prominent. That happened in 2015. You know, I looked up the um, negligent homicide statute and some states have it. Uh, And many other states that do have this statute, it's not even a felony if someone is convicted of um, negligent homicide because to meet the statutory requirements, it means that you had no malice intent whatsoever. So yeah, you basically get a slap on the wrist even if you are able to be successfully prosecuted. And I'm thinking about Maryland. Maryland just passed this massive law where you can be punished up to 10 years in prison for excessive force. Earlier this morning, I had a conversation with a guy named Dr. Cedric Alexander. Dr. Alexander is a former police chief, former deputy mayor, and he's the former president of Noble, the national organization of black law enforcement executives. And the way he broke this down is he said no one else, none of the other cops thought this was a situation where a taser was even needed because she was the only person that pulled out anything, right? And he says this is a simple case of a police officer being more aggressive than is necessary. Do you think some of these accidental discharges or cops saying, hey, I didn't mean to pull the trigger, is this also connected to the aggression associated with their attitude toward the person they're trying to apprehend or possibly trying to kill? 
It could be, yes. Um, there could be individualized and institutionalized racism at play here, um, especially in cases that involve black people like Eric Harris and Dante Wright. And it's also very interesting in this case that the police chief himself said that the officers do receive regular training, particularly in the area of taser and firearm deployment. But even with police trainings, accidental discharges still happen. It just seems so extreme. You have an individual who's been on the police force 26 years. She's president of the local police union. A taser is yellow, the handgun is black, a taser is plastic. The handgun is made of steel. The taser is light, the handgun is heavier. I mean, the list goes on and on. At some point, you have to even question, and I know this sounds really, really cynical. Is it possible? that this was not accidental at all, but made to look accidental if you know you can get away with it. And I know that sounds so just like there's no way anybody would think that, right? But people are questioning the legitimacy of even the accidental defense. What do you say to that? I think it's really hard to speculate what goes on in a person's mind. But I mean, these accidental discharges can happen because of a variety of factors. There can be muscle spasms involved, an adrenaline rush could cause it, for instance. And it could also be individualized racism that's the driving force behind it. Criminal justice researchers and experts that I've spoken to say that accidental discharges still happen because police trainings are inadequate and they really don't address these potential scenarios well. So what needs to happen now? Is it is the solution more training, right? Because okay, we say that, but this person was on the force 26 years and had it been recertified year after year after year. She's head of the police union locally. I'm sure she has had her fair share of training. Do you think training is the problem here? Certainly, she is a senior level officer. She's had 26 years of experience, as you say. And experts told me that it's not just police trainings that really need to be overhauled and reformed. In cases of people of color being victims of police violence, there is a lot of institutional racism behind it and at play. So yes, training should better teach officers about gun safety and taser safety. But in its entirety, the police institution in the country should at the very least be more closely scrutinized for ways that race plays a very crucial part in police procedures and policies. There was a movement by the previous administration, presidential administration, to get rid of certain aspects of race relation theory or understanding systemic or implicit bias. We know that bias exists, racial bias exists in policing as well. But we also know that there's a fight to stop anyone from having legitimate training or legitimate conversations inside of their police agencies. How do you think we overcome that barrier when so many of these police agencies are truly independent agents? They are localized, there's no federal mandate for them to undergo this training so that they can have a better understanding of their own biases. It's definitely tough and because there is no federal mandate, it's really, really hard to unify all these law enforcement agencies. There are hundreds of law enforcement agencies across the country. Some experts have suggested to me that there are certain measures for gun safety that are taught and emphasized in police trainings. And those are places that people can start. For example, when you're handling a gun, you always have to assume that it's loaded. You keep your finger off the trigger until you're absolutely sure that you need to pull it. Those are some of the measures that are taught and seemingly they're not taught very, very well. So that's a place to start. Yeah, you know, it's sad. It's in our face again. I mean, just down the street, literally, you have a trial going on of a an unarmed black man being killed by another cop. 
Um, Benjamin Crump said he would have thought that cops, especially in that area, would have been on their best behavior. Uh, that's a direct quote from Benjamin Crump. If it's if it's training, then that's fixable. But if it's systemic racism, you got some folks, they're gonna be racist no matter what. I don't care what training they go through. How do we get rid of those people from the ranks of law enforcement? Well, it takes a lot of education, right? And that's a whole huge endeavor to undertake. It's very complicated and there are initiatives out there like defund the police or reform the police, various types of initiatives that are trying to position the police and their systemic racism at play against each other. And the functionality of that is that maybe it will be reformed in some way, maybe it will not be, but it really depends. Yeah, they better start reforming because the way this thing is going, the nation will be severely divided even more so than it is now. I appreciate your time today, thank you, it was a joy. Thank you.